Today, we are going to talk money and politics. For the listeners that know me, I try my best to separate these two topics normally. The political environment is so emotional right now and heated that I'll be the first to say emotions and investing do not mix very well. However, we're not going to focus on the political drama surrounding our president. Instead, we're going to shine the spotlight on certain financial issues this country faces. And to help me with this, I'm bringing on a special guest today. Today's guest, Matt Becker, is running for U.S. Congress to represent most of the people here in Pinellas County. And that includes the geographic area surrounding my office right here in Clearwater. And in keeping with the theme of this podcast, we're going to discuss retirement and financial topics. We're not going to get down the rabbit hole of the political climate that we face today. So let's mix politics and finance. This is a show about financial planning with a particular focus on the issues facing those close to or living in retirement. Each week, our host, Dan Wendell, will share his expertise in retirement planning in a fun and down-to-earth format. Now, let's begin another episode of Dolphin Financial Radio. Welcome to another Dolphin Financial Radio with me, Dan Wendell of the Dolphin Financial Group. Today's topic, financials and politics. (laughs) And in particular, the important political decisions that financially impact those retiring locally. Now, joining me today is Matt Becker. He's a local resident. He's a small business owner. He's also a swim coach. (laughs) And he's going to introduce himself. So, Matt, welcome to the show. Why don't you start off with a quick intro and background. Tell us what you're doing politically as well. Well, thank you for having me. I I very much appreciate that. And and after that introduction, it's going to be all sorts of fun talking politics and finances and Social Security. (laughs) Everybody loves talking about those topics. Uh, So by by way of introduction, uh, my wife and I moved down into Pinellas County. My wife grew up here. She graduated from Countryside High School. But um, we moved down here in 2006, and frankly, I was a banker for a long period of time. Was was oh, registered. No. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, did not banker. <laughs> did, you know, I, I decided to step up in the world. I went from banker, and now I want to be a politician. So it's a step up. But, for those that uh, can't see, because we're not we're not on video, he's not wearing a banker tie. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, my background in politics is pretty significant. So, what most people don't know about me from here, because they've known me in the private sector and they've known me as a business owner, is that. I've worked for Steve Forbes on his presidential campaign. I've worked for a presidential inaugural committee. I worked for a Republican state committee uh, on their victory programs. Um, my wife and I both served in senior positions in the George W. Bush administration in Washington, D.C. So there are very few people that have the, the mix of both politics, policy, and Pinellas County uh, information like I do. And so what I really want to do is take all of the experiences that I've got in the information I've gathered over my career and put it to work for the people of Pinellas County. That's that's amazing. I didn't know you, uh, Steve Forbes. What was that? That was in uh, two thousand. Two thousand. It was it was the great one of the greatest experiences of my life. It's really spent a fair amount of time with him. And if he called today and said, "Matt, I need help," I'd be through a brick wall saying, "Let's go." Really, I see him a lot on CNBC and Fox Business, like every once in a while, talk, talking about financials because he's a financial mm-hmm. wizard. Um, politically, he didn't have as much success, but. That's an interesting little tidbit there. That's cool. When you get to know him personally, it was phenomenal. He is as down to earth and natural and friendly and giving as any person I've ever met. It, I literally do put him sort of on that pedestal 
in my life going, I want to be like that. Uh, not just financially. I mean, everybody would like to have wealth, but, <laughs> right. but, but, but in, right, in the sense right. of how he conducts himself and his wife, equal. I mean, the, the two of them are outstanding people. That's amazing. Um, and that was a different time. Now we're in a crazy time. Why would you want to get involved in <laughs> politics today? I mean, seriously, the the what's the uh, approval rating of Congress right now is single digits. I think it's it's down there. So let me get involved in that. Yeah. That sounds fun. That sounds terrible, Matt. What are you doing? I've always been a little bit crazy, but this might be the craziest thing uh, yet. No, I really realistically it came back to I've got two kids, and and one is thirteen, one is ten at the moment. And when when I look at the experiences I have and where this country is going and what is going to be left for them what kind of father am I if I don't try and make a difference? And, and it's, I think when you take people like me who are business owners and, and active in the community and parents, you bring people to DC that are going to be a little bit more balanced in, in how they want to approach things and, and the decisions that they make, because they know that when they pull the lever to vote, there's going to be a 20 year impact on my kids down the road. I want people who have in Congress who are like me that, have walked in my shoes that have had worried about being laid off, who've, who've got kids that are in public schools, who, who see the ramifications of the decisions that are coming out of DC on a daily basis or lack of decisions coming out of DC and what the ramifications are to the people like you and me. I think that's great. Getting involved. I mean, uh, there's always people that complain and then never get involved. Mm -hmm. And we throw sticks and stones at Congress because they're far away and you're going to be joining that group. Mm -hmm. If you win, that's going to be, you're going to be far away. Like how, how do you impact us locally here? I mean, because I think people get involved when it's something local. Hey, mm -hmm. you know, I caught that, you know, we saw someone do something bad on 19 or I got, you know, you see all these crazy people driving on 19. So they get involved and they'll petition for road improvements or more law enforcement. But at the national level, we kind of just tune it out. Oh, absolutely. I've heard that multiple times throughout this where People say, I'm more interested in state politics because, or county politics simply because I can see the difference I'm yes. making. Yes. And, and while it makes sense, all the more reason why you want to put a person that has a good head on their shoulders and is, is going to approach subjects and topics in a way that you respect up in DC, because a lot of times they're going to be out of sight, out of mind, and you simply have to trust that they're doing the best that they can with the information that's provided because every vote that happens in D.C. is going to have an impact locally. So everything that we do in D.C., you will have, you will see, feel, hear an impact. It's just down here, you may not notice it at first simply because it's on a national level. Well, I think this is, you know, I get that. Getting, it's kind of trickle up. You know, you want to mm -hmm. send someone up to D.C. that's going to represent the values that you have. And that's our only chance to do it, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we can we can revolt and picket and, and complain and send nasty emails, but that doesn't get anything done. We would send them to you and then you would take <laughs> them up, right? So this is a financial show, so I want to talk about financial topics. Absolutely. And um, we could start with some of the topics on a national level that people look at and say, this is just too big to handle. These mm -hmm. are two, I don't even want to think about it, but you would actually be the one, one of the people making an actual difference in it. Um, let's start with the big 800 pound gorilla, which is social security. You, you, you knew it was coming. Social security. I, all the stats are saying it's going to run out of money. It's going to run out of money within the next 20 years. I think it was 30, 36 or 20, sorry, 20, 36. Um, we're not going to be able to pay the people that are getting it. There's not enough money. Mm -hmm. What I, 
what what's your take on it? Just let's just start there. What what do you what's your stance on Social Security? Well, well, thank you for starting with the easy questions first. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Yeah, well, you can only go down. It can only get easier, right? So Social Security, we have to fix it. I mean, one of the problems is Congress has put their head in the sand for too long, and uh, I want to say 2020, based on the Social Security Administration report in April um, in 2020, the Social Security fund will finally outstrip receipts versus uh, the burden. Yeah, so we're going downhill. We're going downhill. So you're going to have to start topping, uh, tapping into the trust fund. So we're no longer at the at the theoretical point that we have a, a Social Security problem. We have a Social Security problem today now. So the stance that I've got on this is we have to fix it and we have to find the solutions that that make it work for all the people, not just the people who are retired today, but the people that are going to be 20 and, and 30 or who are 20 and 30, excuse me, right now, because it's still got to work for them down the road as well. My clients are scared. They we I start with Social Security. They they say, you know, what, what do we do about Social Security? When do we take it? Let's maximize it. And they get that. And without it, they're done. Mm-hmm. I mean. Most people in this country without Social Security, they're done. They're not going to retire. Or even if they do retire, they're just not going to be able to live the life they want to live. So why isn't it getting done? I mean, it's scary. It's huge. There's no answer. I know it's the toughest question out there. Um, you're, are you in a position where you're like, I'm going to go, and if, if Social Security comes up, I'm, I'm just going to say, let's do something about it, which would include some things that typically most politicians don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole, mm-hmm. like cutting benefits or raising retirement age or increasing the amount of income that's taxed, raising taxes really. Um, it, not only raising taxes on on the actual benefit, but raising the amount of money that people pay into it. I mean, those are, ooh, those like, are scary. You know. <laughs> I, want the, I don't want the politician answer. I don't want. I, in, in seriousness, I think it, it comes back to not being a lifelong politician where you're not looking at your next election. You're actually looking at what you can do to make a difference. And, and I think from my perspective, I don't I don't foresee myself. Should I win being in this seat 30 years from now? I'm not I don't want to be that person that's, you know, 85 years old and, and retiring. So I want to make a difference and I want to make a difference now. And, okay. and so I think to, to answer your question, I would approach Social Security the tough part about Social Security is there's so many moving parts and there's so many differing solutions that you really have to look at it as a holistic plan based on what's been put forward at any given point in time, because there may be pieces of it that are really good, but there are going to be pieces of it that are really bad as, as well. And the unfortunate part is you, you can't really break them down into individual pieces. It's the whole thing. So I think I would keep my options open to figure out what's the best long-term solution for people. But right off the table, I'll tell you right now, I, to your point, I've got my own parents and, and in-laws who are in Social Security right now and, and rely on it. Under no circumstances am I looking for a benefit cut for those people that are retired today. Right. I think I think we've made a commitment there. But I do think going forward, people our age and younger, they need to make some changes to it. Yep. And maybe it's increasing the retirement age. And, and, and that's a decrease in benefits for some people, if you mm-hmm. look at it. But uh, maybe you increase taxes as well. It's combo. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about taxes. You are a small business owner. What's your company? What do we do locally? It's an employment agency called Pride Staff. So we put people out to work. That's <laughs> Say no more. Yeah. So taxes are a big factor when it comes to employment and owning a business. Um, generally speaking, Republicans like lower taxes. What's your stance on taxes? 
not Social Security. We're gonna we're gonna pretend that we didn't. We're gonna move on from there. Um, how do you feel about these tax breaks that um, small businesses have gotten? I love them. Uh, be blunt. I think the more flexibility that you give small business owners and people to spend money their way and or save money their way, the better off we are as a society. So I I don't like reliance on the federal government. I have never met somebody who said, wow, the federal government is just killing it on this program. It is so great. <laughs> there's always mismanagement. There's always waste, fraud, and bruise. There's a, I want the people to have the ability to control their destiny. And so you're a pro small business, obviously. Absolutely. And um, tax breaks for those particular businesses. And that gets into a point. I mean, I have a lot of clients who are retired or planning to retire, they own businesses. And they have a lot of moving parts. Mm -hmm. And saving for retirement is one of them. Um, Tax breaks that they get, the, I don't know, you got one side saying you you give a tax break to a small business owner, they just put it in their pocket. I don't see that. I see them investing more in technology, hiring new people, dare I say raising wages for people, do you see, which side do you see on that as a small business owner? When the tax breaks came recently, what did you do with the extra money? So two different ways. So the, the beauty of being an employment agency is I get to get in and around hundreds of small businesses throughout Pinellas County. Yeah, you're, so, seeing, so the, you're seeing the front line. And so there's, there's an element where I, in this economy, because unemployment is so low, what I've seen is most, most people have either reinvested into technology to make uh, make their processes or procedures easier to follow so they don't have to hire because they're not finding enough people, or two, they're reinvesting in their people by giving pay raises, or in the small business case, that was the break sometimes were used by people to get benefits on the health benefits side that they couldn't afford previously. They had enough income now where it now makes their business more attractive. I'll tell you from an employee side, the two things I get when people come in and interview with us every time, how much are you going to get? How much am I going to get paid? And does the company have benefits? Those are the top two questions every time we come through. So every time a business owner has the ability to add health benefits, they've just made their business a little bit stronger and a little bit more marketable. The problem is that some of the people that aren't in business, that don't own a small business mm-hmm. or that are retired, they're saying these tax breaks to the businesses don't help me. I'm retired already. So mm-hmm. how am I benefiting from it? What's the case to the retiree that says, why should we cut business taxes? I, I don't need that. Same with, you know, why should we pay taxes for schools? I don't have that, any kids that go to school. Right? It's kind it's of a, that. It's the, it's the betterment of society, but back to Social Security, the more people we put into the workforce, the more that goes into Social Security, the more the more funds the federal government has through the various taxes that they have. So it, it's, Bingo. it's it all is. it all comes together. Rising tide lifts all boats. That's true. And, you know, as you make more money, the government's got their hand out. Yep. Social Security, the employer pays half of yep. Social Security. People don't realize that. So as a small business, you're paying some, a lot of times, if you're a, like me, I'm a sole proprietor, I got to pay my own Social Security wages and the company's portion. So I'm mm-hmm. paying 15, close to 15%. The more money I make, the more goes into the Social Security system. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. Okay, let's focus now on retirement issues. Um, you, are you familiar with the SECURE Act? Uh, for the listeners, I think I did a show on this when it first came out, but I'm going to read the title because it's very exciting, these acronyms here that Congress comes up with. This this was in the House of Representatives at a national level, setting every community up for Retirement Enhancement Act, SECURE. They really kind of fit it in there. That's not bad. Setting every community up for Retirement Enhancement Act. Are you familiar with this act that passed Congress? 
Absolutely. Well, it passed the House of Representatives. Has not I'm passed, sorry, yes. So has not passed the sorry Senate. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, I am. Um, what do you think of it? Like, I, I, I've done some research on it. I have my take on it. Would you have voted for it if Absolutely. you were in Cong- if you were in the House? Absolutely. There, there are a ton of good things. Number one, back to small businesses because it's where I focus. The ability for uh, multi small businesses to come together to get a four hundred one k plan to make it easier for them, and and not have the same fiduciary responsibility. It that four hundred one k is is similar to healthcare for small business. It's just something that's out of, out of reach for a lot of them. And the more we can put it in reach the better it is for all those businesses. I need We need to stay on that because I completely agree there. Now, that's the multi-employee 401k plan. Right now, if I'm, I'm a small business, right? If I want to start a 401k, I got to pay for everything myself. Mm-hmm. And if I hire three employees, I got to spend as much on compliance and all this stuff for the three as if I had 30 or 300. And the SECURE Act allows for multiple employers to use the same resources to open up a, a 401k plan. Yep. So they're basically sharing the burden and the cost. Yep. Compliance cost, the actual physical cost of hiring somebody. I think it's brilliant. I, I love it. Right. And I, I'm glad you pointed that out because that that's something you don't think about when you're looking at retirement. People, are, you know, the 401ks, people just assume everyone has it. But small businesses, it's costly to do it. You know, from a congressional standpoint, I think what, what we see more often than not is people are thinking of large corporate entities down here. It might be Jabil or tech data or Raymond James, you know, the the big boys who, who have the money, the resources, the opportunity that they don't think of the businesses like you and me who look at that. I would love to have a 401k plan for, for my business. I can't afford it. Not, not under the current rules. So they don't oftentimes think of, but the real reality of the situation is when you look through Pinellas County, there are far more businesses like you and me in this County than there are the Raymond James, the tech data. And it's a real problem. It is. And you're running for a position that would represent most of Pinellas County. Right. And that's a ton of small businesses. It's majority. There's no, what I've loved about this area is there's no dominant industry. You you can't say that's we're true. all defense or all aeronautics or all finance. We're spread because of the small business uh, approach that we have or the small business community that we have. So as much as we can support them and, and provide them the opportunity to both grow, market their business, the better off I think we are as, as an economy. I agree with you there. Um, a couple of other things in that Secure Act that I want to get your take on. They um, they want to offer a part of the act allows part time employees to be part of a four hundred one k. You're in an uh, industry. Your your company helps people get employment. I'm assuming you have part time employees too. Not not so you much. Help people get part time, or is it just full time employees? We'll do part time as well. It's just we'll call it a, a 95% full-time, 5% part-time. So it's, okay. it's, it's a small percentage. And most uh, part-time employees don't necessarily have access to 401ks. So they're allowing now the rules to allow part-time employees. I mm-hmm. think that's a good thing. I I wouldn't disagree. And so sort of to back up, because I'm thinking in my own head is, is Pride Staff is a franchise staffing firm. So for our, our attempt to hire folks that go out, if they work long enough, they have access to a 401k plan. But my internal team, under my business here locally doesn't have access right, right, to it. That's, so, yeah, right. so as I'm thinking just because an employment agency gets a little funky cause I have all these people <laughs> out to work, but so, so they have access for it. But I, I have, the more we can encourage people to save for retirement, the better off we are. Absolutely. Period. That's absolutely true. And one of the things in the secure act also is that the 401k plans are now going to have to include a lifetime income stream disclosure. Now my, I clap to that because I'm a huge proponent of income. I always say, people say, how much do you need to retire? Do you need a million, two million? I say, it doesn't matter how much you have. It's how much income you need. Mm-hmm. And if someone's in a 401k and they say, 
this will generate 20,000 a year for you at age 65. That's useful information. Right now, they don't have that. They just have this number. I think that's a really good little piece in there because pensions are going away. Yep. GE just announced yesterday they're freezing their pension on about 20,000 people. It's amazing. It's and, amazing. And there's a reason for that. I've done shows on the whole pension crisis we face. People need to start thinking about making their own. And they need to, and, and they could do that. Um, 401ks are where most of the money goes. They don't have to just leave it in stocks. They can create a pension from it. And hopefully this income number that they're going to give will start to get people to think of the money not as a lump sum, but more as an income stream. So we're getting dangerously close back to my banking days now. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I could go all day with that. That's, that's, that's bread and my bread and butter is banking. But um, one of the things I noticed in the 401k in the SECURE Act was they want to allow annuities in there. I have a very mixed emotions about that. I like the idea of having an annuity option because that's basically a pension. Yep. It's a it's a way to get an income stream, yep. which people don't do. But when you start forcing companies to offer annuities, I don't know if they're forcing it, but there's I have a feeling there's going to be only a select few options and people are going to be stuck with something that's heavily fees. And I like the idea of people being able to go and shop on their own. Mm-hmm. But if they have one in the 401k, maybe they'll be more inclined to go and shop. Whereas right now they don't have it. So annuity is a four letter word to mm-hmm. people, you know, don't even touch it. So I kind of, I don't know where I stand yet on that. I think if that gets passed and annuities are thrown into a 401k, that's, I think it's a good thing, but I think it can get real bad real quick if, if some bad players get involved. Like anything else. That's the true. right person, the right investment at the right time for the right reasons. It could be perfect. So um, there's a couple of other provisions in here that I have a problem with. Um, well, required minimum distributions. Right now, yep. when someone turns 70 and a half, they have to start taking money out. This SECURE Act is going to raise that to 72, age 72, which I think is great. Now, a lot of people might be against that because that's less government money. Um, think about it. If When you turn 70 and a half, you have to take from your IRA, which means you have to pull it out and you have to pay taxes on it because mm-hmm. you haven't paid taxes yet. Government likes that. You start raising that to 72, the government's going to get money later in life. I think there might be some politicians that don't like the reduction in tax revenue. That's- I, I I like that because I, I hate the government forcing people to do anything. And so, <laughs> okay. I mean, th- th- there comes to a, there comes a point where from a life expectancy standpoint, you, you don't want it to, to just sit there. But, but back to our age requirement, if, if you're at 72 and you don't need the money from your IRA, whether it's because today you have a pension or some other vehicle, I think it, as pensions sort of phase out as the next sort of wave of, of retirement people, that may not be as big of a problem because people are going to have to have it because they don't have the pensions our parents have today that, that allows that IRA to sit there. I agree. Um, and because people are living longer and yep. the lifespans are going to stretch out, um, the, the SECURE Act also eliminates the age restriction on IRA contributions. So when you turn 70 and a half, not only do you have to take from an IRA, you can't add to an IRA anymore unless you're working in a 401k. Here, they say, hey, if you're working, you want to add to an IRA and you're 75, go for it. That's- More flexibility. I will. I like flexibility. Let people have choice. I like that. That's good to know. I mean, I, I wasn't... Ex- I mean, I know you you have a background in banking, so these finance would if you were elected into Congress, into the um, House, would you lean toward financial subcommittees and things like that? Truthfully, I <laughs> there, there, there's an interest there, but it's sort of 
leadership, as my understanding, will sort of determine where you go, whether it's, it's <laughs> you small man business. Yeah, yeah. Really. You go over here and do <laughs> that's that. Ex- that's exactly right. And we'll <laughs> see what the makeup looks like as to what the new house is. But but I want to be anywhere where I'm going to have an influence and the ability to to modify or help small business, the small business community. I think finances is one way. I think the small business uh, committee is another way. Uh, appropriations is a third way because you carry mm-hmm. such clout there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of different places you can play that can really have an impact on small business. And, and let's be honest in this, in this market, that that is the key component. I agree. Um, I'm going to throw one last curveball on you on the secure act and then we'll finish up. Um, it looks like they're going to eliminate the stretch IRA, which is a, is a tactic that when you inherit an IRA, say your mom dies and you inherit the IRA and you know, you, Dad's already passed. If you're a non-spouse inheritor of an IRA, beneficiary of an IRA, you don't have. You can take it as a lump sum, and a lot of people do. You could take it over five years, or you could take it over your lifetime, which is called stretching it out. You can even stretch it out to your your second generation, two two generations out. The Secure Act is going to limit that to a ten year timeline, so they're going to force people to in, take their inheritance over ten years as opposed to stretching it over their lifetime. I don't like it because I like. I like to stretch it. It's a huge financial benefit to mm-hmm. spread taxes out because you can have growth. I mean, think about it. If little Johnny's 10 and he inherits an IRA from grandma, he can run that out for another 70, 80, 90 years. That's nice. But mm-hmm. if he's forced to take it over 10 years, eh, not so much. It's just another way for Uncle Sam to take take some of your money. So that's, that's that's really what it is. It's a tax play. So can you sneak in on the secure act and pull that from that piece? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what's holding this up right now? Cause it's past the house. Where, where is it at now? It's, it's within the, it's in the Senate there. As I understand it, there's three senators that, that have holds on it for a variety uh, of reasons. Um, so I know that there's strategies in play in the, in the Senate because the Senate has a entirely different framework of rules right. than what the house has. And, and, there's a tremendous amount of support for it in the House, and I think there's a tremendous amount of support for it in the Senate, but there are some issues that a few senators have that they're going to have to figure out and, and work through and, and follow their strategy there to figure out how what's the best way to get this to a vote. You can throw the senators under the bus because you're in the <laughs> House, right? You're going for the House. Do you know what kind of support this Secure Act got? Because I didn't know, I didn't see that anywhere. I know it passed. But it's significant. I want to say in the House, only three people voted against it. Wow. It is what I, it's my recollection. Wow. Yeah. Even anything more and than 50%. And I'm not 50%, sure who they were. Yeah. Even more than 50%. Yeah, they probably no shows. Yeah. Um, um, anything more than 50% acceptance anywhere is, it seems good nowadays to get something that broad. I think it's a good thing. I like the idea of, of helping the small business. I like the idea of, of raising the minimum ages. People are living longer. They need their money longer. This, anything to help people save more is a good thing for me. Well, on that note, let me turn the tables on you and ask you a question. What do you think on universal savings accounts? Uh, so, so, so my take on that, again, I think part of it in the bill was they're going to force people to automatically add to the 401k. So it would be you're a new hire. The default position is you're going to put money away, which is great because 20 year olds, they're not thinking long term. Mm. They're not thinking big picture. Universal savings accounts, something that would be portable. Right. And and that you can have as a place to put money regardless of of where you're working and something like that. I think I love the concept. Um, there's going to be strings attached. It's kind of like um, Social Security which is kind of a universal savings account, except um, the government's kind of running it. 
privatizing Social Security, which we're not going to get into, that would kind of be like, hey, here's my Social Security bucket. That's my universal savings. That's my own little bucket. Let Mm -hmm. me manage it and do my own thing with it. I'm wondering if there's going to be some political plays in the universal savings account environment that kind of shoot it down. So on the face of it, and I need to look into it more, I like it. And and the reason behind that is I'm seeing too many, and this goes back to having the small business owner, I think, in, in, in the house, is that I see too many spots where they, in this piece of legislation, they want to allow you to use five, 529 plans for a variety of things, whether it's homeschool, charter, whatever, mm-hmm. educational stuff. And then there's recent proposals coming out now that you can use your 401k or your IRA for, uh, and not take a penalty if you use it on a, a newborn or. Right. So there's too many different places where the cover, the government is making it complex, confusing and difficult for people to understand right. where they can do things and not have a penalty. I think if you look at a universal savings account and you set it up, you can then start lumping it all into one bucket for them to use. And I think it continues to encourage that savings piece. But if they put some sort of restrictions Absolutely. on it and, and they get their, you know, the, when I say they, government gets their hands on, this is the only things you can do. But that's kind of, you're right. That's kind of what they do now. Mm-hmm. Hey, the 529s over here. And then, you know, we got all the 457 for the 403B and like. Which do I, I guess you, you put people like me out of business if there's one little spot. To, but no, we still get to invest it, I guess. But it is confusing. You're right. I, I never thought of it that way where if you have one bucket that you can then use and not have to worry about all the rules and regulations. But again, a lot at, of it is at least income-based. For dis, well, I, you could use it for retirement, but I, I guess I'm more looking at it as let, let's encourage people to save. Because at any given point in time, there's going to be something that happens in your life that you don't anticipate, you don't expect. Or in the case of, you know, having a baby, you do anticipate it and you do expect it, but there might be unexpected costs or let's find a way to better position people. I mean, back to our start, I started with Steve Forbes and his thing was the flat tax. You know, let's go to a flat tax. Simplify. Everything about Steve Forbes is simplify. And and I'm along the same lines there. I want to simplify, make it easy so that, the guy walking down the street who doesn't really pay attention gets it versus the person who's in Congress every day going through every byline. I agree. You know, that's a good point. The simplification of the savings vehicle would be great. It would, or at least the rules. Yeah. And, you know, I think this, I read a stat recently, if there's a $400 crisis, someone's got a $400 bill, most Americans can't pay it. Yep. So being, then they say, well, I, and I run into this a lot. People come to me with credit card debt and they have a 401k. Do I use my 401k to pay off credit card debt? I did a whole show on that. It would be nice if the rules for hardship were more universal Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, hey, this is where you can pull in for the... But then again, you'd have people cannibalizing their their savings. It's... But how much of a nanny state do we want? I was just going to say, you got to give the people... Control. The control of their 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 life and take responsibility. Yeah, it's true. Which goes back to, again, your first question is, what impact do I have if I'm in Congress? There's your impact. We're working and making that every one of your clients, let's say changes in social security or universal or, you know, whatever, every one of your clients are going to either benefit or be impacted by whatever decisions that I make. And it's going to be on everyday things. Okay. Um, Well, I think I asked enough about retirement questions. Anything you want to say, anything you dislike about what's going on, not in, not at the national, I guess it is a national level. (laughs) Any pet project you would want to take or any topic that you want to bring up to the listeners? 
No, not really, because I think if you if you do any research on me and, and mattbacker.org is one place where you can go find about find out more about me, excuse me. I think for me, it's all about small business. It's it's how do we support those small business owners? Because I think the American economy is at its strongest when people are able to innovate. And I think that has been our strength across time is that the American people have always been aggressive in their want to be entrepreneurs. They want to innovate. They want to grow. And the more we get government out of their way and allow them to do that, good things generally happen whether it's in new technologies, whether it's in the growth in the economy, whatever it is, this is what has allowed us to be a, a leader in the world for so long. And I want to continue that process. And, and so I think for me, it's it's all going to come back to, are we prepping our kids in the educational system to come out and be prepped and ready to work? And at the same time, do they have the work ethic in which to do it so that as we innovate and as we come up with new ideas and new technologies, do we stay a leader in the world? I love it. I appreciate your effort in in trying to make a difference. Um, politics aside, um, seeing someone local actually get involved, it, it makes me happy. Um, you are running in a primary. When is that? And what can people do to support you? What do I know is Matt Becker is M-A-T-T-B-E-C-K-E-R yep. dot org. Org. O-R-G. Okay. I didn't. That's good to know. I was going to go dot com. <laughs> org. So now we're in the world of, of politics here, nonprofits. Um, what else can they do to help you out? Frankly, or if they point, want to ask you questions, if they want to ask questions, you can email me straight from there. It's Matt at mattbecker.org is an email uh, address to get to me. Uh, I would like to do more things like this. I want to get out and meet small groups and, and sort of introduce myself to them and talk about who I am, where I'm coming and where I want to go and why I'm running um, so that there's security, I guess. So people get to know me and understand and trust that I've got their best interests at heart because I, I personally don't think you have a better representative in Congress than somebody that has two kids that are still growing up because you know every vote you make has an impact on them. And the future. And the sure. future, absolutely. Well, I appreciate your time today. If anyone's listening and you have some more questions <clears throat> for Matt, feel free to go to mattbecker.org. If you have questions about some of the Secure Act issues that we talked about today, or you're like, wow, I didn't even know that uh, they were going to raise the RMDs. That's kind of cool. Um, hasn't passed yet. It's got to pass the Senate. And uh, if you want to talk about that, give me a call. I'll go to dolphinfinancialgroup.com, and we're going to put this up on YouTube as well. So check it out there. Thanks, everyone. And thanks, Matt, for a great show. Thank you for having me. The topics on this show are wide-ranging, yet relevant to people approaching or living in retirement, like me. If there is a topic you want to hear on the show, head to dolphinfinancialgroup.com and contact Dan to request your topic or to share your opinion. Dan Mundo or Dolphin Financial Group are not affiliated or endorsed by Social Security or any government agency. Everything discussed on today's show was for informational purpose only. Since everyone's situation is different, some things may not apply to you. The materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources. We cannot be 100% certain that they are accurate. You should really talk to my dad or someone from Delphi Financial Group before trying to implement these ideas or strategies.